got one married matt and one uh, not married matt here on the podcast <laughs> um it's football season we took a little bit of a hiatus matt morris my co-host got married we had to go to a bachelor party we had to go to a wedding we had to survive a hurricane and then you uh went to greece on your honeymoon with your new beautiful wife this is the pitcher bet sports podcast i am your host matt guest uh as i mentioned mr matt morris freshly married what's up man um the break has been nice now we did miss the first weekend leading up to football season but i mean we've got like what nine to ten bullet points of stuff that we're gonna go over super excited to be back um i think it was definitely needed because we both had a lot going on obviously with you getting married mid-hurricane so congrats man that was a really fun weekend well yeah and i think we also like sure we missed the lead up to the nfl season and we've done this for this would be our this will be our third or fourth nfl season i think our third season yeah um and we've hammered the content the last two years and i think what we've also found and what we're going to find while we talk today is just the simple fact that like it's all speculation and i think really that's what week one kind of solidifies is like what the reality of the season is going to start showcasing itself to be but then you have like the complete counter argument of that and it's something you and I spoke on this week after the the Packers game, which is also we don't know much because if you as football fans remember the Packers getting absolutely shellacked against the Saints two years ago, wasn't the team that came out the rest of the season. So for you Giants fans, take a deep breath. It's week one. For you Cowboys fans, settle down. It's week one. <laughs> you did look great. Um, you know, for the Bears fans, you're just screwed. And for the Packers fans like us, let's see Relax. how Jordan Love looks against some real competition yeah no for sure um yeah we're gonna go through a little bit of week one i wouldn't even say recap but just some of the things that stood out to us and then we're gonna dive into week two some question marks a couple little hot takes that we have in there um and then actually i do have one pick that i want to make so i'm gonna make it at Mm -hmm. the end just for just uh, just so we can post it later on but also discuss it just a little bit here later on in the podcast so Diving right into it, I mean, the story of week one was the the tragic ending to week one, which was Aaron Rodgers going out four plays into his New York Jets debut, tears his ACL, oh, sorry, uh, uh, pops his Achilles, and he's out for the season. And I don't know, obviously, Matt, we we don't do a YouTube or anything here quite yet, but Matt has a jersey of Aaron Rodgers in the back. This is the first time you're listening to our podcast. We're diehard Packer fans here at heart, and it was sad to see Rodgers to go out like that, you know? Um, I'm, I'm in the belief that it's probably going to be it for him. Maybe he'll come back. I don't know. He's 39 me at 39. I wouldn't want to come back from that, but you never know. It's a really tough way to end your career the way, um, that would be. But my overall take for the jets in general is it's not quite over yet this season. I think the really obvious thing for them to do is go all in on Zach Wilson. You spent the first round pick on him. I think what Rogers and the habits that he's instilled in Zach Wilson over this entire offseason and the confidence that he's brought to him is the best possible quarterback they're going to get for the rest of this season. Going out and getting Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold, Tom Brady, like some of these names that you hear isn't going to set the team up for Super Bowl success. I don't necessarily think Zach Wilson will either, but at the end of the day, I don't think there's any other option. And if they can just run their 
game through Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook and have that defense keep them in games till the fourth quarter, I genuinely think they have a chance to win that division and make a run in the playoffs. I don't think they'll beat the top tier in the AFC, but with that defense, you you really never know, right? Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl, but overall, really, really sad ending to week one in the NFL last night. Yeah, it was devastating. And um, I think it, it hit me harder than you. I think you kind of, we talked a little bit about how you woke up today and felt bad for Rodgers. I felt fantastic after the Packers beat the Bears. And right as Rodgers popped the tendon, you know, I started thinking, okay, what could it be? You know, it sets in that it's Achilles. It sets in it's probably season ending. And I just felt terrible for him. Felt felt really bad for those players that had bought into the fact that, okay, we finally have a quarterback. We're going to have a chance in every game to win. And we're going to play our asses off. And you just felt the life sucked out of the dream. You see, all, you saw it on Robert Sala's face. I mean, I think that's going to be a meme for the rest of eternity, his face of just <laughs> reality. And um, today was a little better, you know, like it is what it is. This is sports. I think that was the best thing you said yesterday where it was like this, this is sports. This is the reality. This can happen at any given time. And as Packer fans, we have seen it with him in the past where your season's just taken from you. And I think that's kind of the downside to to having such an incredible quarterback where if you're one injury away, that's not really a team sport at times. So I have a take on this later on in the show where I, we, we kind of talk about some quarterbacks that are kind of in the middle uh, slash lower tier of the NFL. I, I just feel like they should have prepared this team with a backup quarterback. They should have had somebody in the waiting um, on, that was a free agent, the Brissettes, you know, the Baker Mayfield, somebody that could come in at a five to $6 million range and just sit behind him just in case, because quarterbacks are probably better prepared to to play in the NFL than than Wilson is. And we will tell moving forward um, if some of those habits that you spoke about actually are instilled in him now. If now that they can actually run in week two offense that is designed around him, do we see a better performance from Zach Wilson? I think we do, but I still saw some tendencies from last year, like running 24 yards into the backfield as a sack emerges on him. That's like, good Lord, that's not good. Um, or a, <laughs> right. a, a wide, a wide stare down interception. It's like, okay, that can happen. You know, even some of the best have that happen sometimes, but it's definitely disappointing. And, um, I, I think ultimately it's not necessarily Zach Wilson here. That's going to hold them back from a Super Bowl. It is that offensive line and that offensive line is absolutely horrendous. Yeah. That was the last thing I wanted to say. I, I did want to kind of dispel the whole, Oh my gosh, they're a quarterback away and this roster deserves to go to the Super Bowl. And it's all this. Yep. It's like, no, there is still faults from the front office and the GM. Like, putting Rodgers or any quarterback for that matter out there with that off of offensive line is criminal. Like that is a bottom three O line and sticking a 39 year old year old quarterback out there. You, you were running the risk of this happen, not the Achilles tendon popping, but him getting banged up and hurt. And that's what does not give me confidence in Zach Wilson moving forward. And why I think the only way for success is to run the ball with Brees Hall and Dalvin cook and hope and pray that they can keep you into games until the fourth quarter. So you can have something crazy like a punt return for a touchdown to win the game. Um, speaking of that being sports, right? Like you just mentioned that talking about the, the jets is that it's a pretty good segue into the next takeaway that I had from week one. And we had was the most impressive team that I saw wasn't the Dallas Cowboys. In my opinion, it was actually the team that did get, ruined last year by injuries and that was the san francisco 49ers 
they in the first what two drives of the NSV championship game lost their middle linebacker, their starting quarterback, I think a corner and an O lineman. Like they're basically the nucleus of their team was gone in five minutes of the NFC championship game. And there was nothing they could do about it. Um, but the Niners absolutely dismantled the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. That game was over in the second quarter. And my biggest takeaway wasn't that their defense was impressive. Wasn't that Christian McCaffrey's amazing is that I'm all in on Brock Purdy being the quarterback for that team. I was really skeptical about him last year, thought he was overrated, thought he was a system guy, which he is, but he is the straw that stirs the drink for the San Francisco 49ers, and he makes that entire offense more balanced than it was the year that they went to the Super Bowl. They're not overly reliant on George Kittle or McCaffrey or Debo Samuel. He's running the offense perfectly. He's making all the passes he's supposed to make accurately. And I, I genuinely think he has top 15 upside. Um, and what Brock Purdy brings to the San Francisco 49ers, if healthy, is the best team in the NFC. And I really don't think that's much of a debate. Now it's just week one. They've got to make it all the way to the end. But I, I'm all in on the Brock Purdy train. I believe in him. I think he's going to be a great quarterback for this specific team in that Shanahan system. Yeah, Matt, it uh, it kills me to say that I agree with you because of my absolute disdain to the 49ers, but um, I do. I, I fully, fully agree with you. And you're going to have to stick with me here because this leads into my next focal point, which I kind of alluded to talking about the Jets, which is when you really think about what Brock Purdy has done for the 49ers, being Mr. Irrelevant, being a quarterback that was taken late in the draft, and now being, as you said, a top possible top 15 quarterback it completely takes away and dispels the concept which is the current nfl which is we have to get our quarterback in the first round niners tried that that quarterback's now playing for dallas because he just didn't fit what does the 49ers have everything else except the quarterback right all of a sudden a disciplined four-year college player comes into the organization showcases that discipline showcases the ability to be in a quarterback room after four years in college, like I said, and really is able to pave the way into a starting role and a productive role. And I think that's the absolute perfect blueprint for what teams in the NFL should be doing. Build everything around it. We'll figure out the quarterback position. And when we talk about the New York Jets and I threw some names out there, I still stand by that. You know, if they had a Baker Mayfield, a Jacoby Brissett, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, some of the names that we were hearing this week right after Rodgers went down, and they had also built an offensive line. Maybe they don't trade for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they trade for Bakhtiari. Maybe they trade for a right tackle as well. And they say, you know what? Okay, we're going to sign Baker Mayfield. Like We're going to give him $12 million, but we're going to pay the tackles, and we're going to rely on a heavy defense and a heavy run, and Baker's going to be good enough. Now, I think the big difference between the concept of what I'm talking about and Brock Purdy is that discipline that we spoke about a little bit earlier. Brock Purdy showcases an ability on the field to be very disciplined. Baker Mayfield, Sam Howell, even Teddy Bridgewater at times really kind of fall back into that trend, which is the playmaker trend that they have utilized in college and at the pro level, and it gets them in trouble. We see that constantly throughout Baker's career. He's always looking to do something extra. We see that with Josh Allen. We'll talk about that maybe a little later too, um, as opposed to Purdy is always executing the offense. So I think there's going to be a changing in the guard if the 49ers can continue to have success with Purdy and can continue to have success with this payroll the way it is. I just think the Jets probably went around it a really poor way. And I think there's value for quarterbacks like Howell and Bridgewater and Brissett um, and Mayfield in this league. I just think they may be in poor situations. 
And it's hard because when I really think about it, Mayfield was in an awesome situation with Cleveland <laughs> and he didn't live up to the hype. But I think maybe it's more the player than it is necessarily the concept. Um, and, and that playmaker, I think, got him in trouble a lot. And I, I do think there is players from 15 to, say, 32 in this league in the quarterback rankings that can win Super Bowls in the right situation. I think the Jets are one of those situations, maybe an offensive line piece away where they didn't need Rodgers. But we're not valuing these players at the level we should because of the Mahomeses and because of the Rodgers and the Bradys and the Mannings. We just think we need to have the number one quarterback, whereas Brock Purdy could easily win one, maybe two Super Bowls because he's got everything around him. And I think that's an underrated piece right now. Yeah, no, I, I don't necessarily disagree with the overall point that you're making, because you're right. The Jets did everything besides that one detail, which was the offensive line, right? If they had shored that up, they would definitely fit into your mold. But I, I think Baker Mayfield's kind of a bad example. I, I, I don't necessarily think he could make the Jets, but a guy like Jacoby Brissett, who is average, right? Like he's yep. we'll, we'll say he's 20, right? He's 20. I mean, probably not, actually. He's probably like that 28, 29 guy because he's obviously not starting for a team right now. Of course, some teams are going to start rookies and different things like that. But Jacoby Brissett looked pretty solid for Cleveland last year. You know, he won them some games. He didn't really lose them any games. He didn't win them any games either, though, right? Like he was just doing enough, getting the ball to Chubb, getting the ball to Amari Cooper, not turning it over too often, you know, running some QB sneaks here and there. Um I feel like he's more or less that type of mold and that type of fit. But I think where my infatuation for Purdy is Purdy's winning these guys some games now. Like mm -hmm. some of these throws that he was making to IU, some of these reads that he's making, the ability to run the play fakes effectively, like he he's a tier above them. Um, and and I, I don't necessarily just like I said, I don't disagree with your point because I think that's exactly what a team like Philadelphia did as well. They shirt up the entire roster, made sure everyone was good, fell into Jalen Hurts, right? Had the right coaching, had the right system, molded the team around him. Boom, Super Bowl, right? I think we see that all the time. Um, the Jets just need to find their guy. I don't even know if we'll be able to see that it's Wilson because of the offensive line. I think we're going to talk about the bears a little bit later. We're starting to see that a little bit with Justin Fields getting pressured 58% of his dropbacks. Like it's tough to really evaluate a kid when they're running for their life out there. And then of course they're making bad throws and bad reads because they're getting smoked. Um, but yeah, overall, I do think we're going to see a changing in the guard, and that's why you see three rookie quarterbacks starting this week. Um, and I think that was the next thing we wanted to get into. So I'll, I'll let you go ahead and take the take. Uh, both, both of us really agree on with these rookies. Yeah, and last thing, I just find it ironic. You know, you threw Sam Darnold's name out there in the last segment. Yeah. Damn. Damn. They were right on him. They had the right quarterback. They, yeah. had, him eight, they had him six, seven years too early. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, hypoth yeah. hypothetically, like, you know, you still have an offensive line. Darnold's probably not so bad this time in New York. Uh, it's just funny how we always talk about this team construction, right? Team construction is so key. And I think that, that is exactly the segue into these three quarterbacks. These teams drafted quarterbacks that are going to fit their systems well. I, I was very impressed with all three of them. I think Richardson's probably going to be the one that has the best coaching right off the bat. I mean, good Lord, they put him in a position to look fantastic. You said it best to me on the phone this week. He had no running game right? He had issues all over the field, and yet they were able to find a perfect system for him to fall into place, get comfortable, not make too many mistakes, 
watch the health at the end of the game, which I know is a controversial take right now, but like they did the right thing, making sure he was okay. He is going to have a fantastic developmental path in Indy. And that is exactly what you want when you spend a top five draft pick on an asset. And I would say the same thing with Young as well as Shroud. I think Young looked a little better, looked a little more in control, a little more comfortable. Shroud having to do a little bit more doesn't have nearly the weapons um, that the other two probably will have this year alone, if not the next couple of years. But I was very impressed with all three of them. Um, Young looked the most poised. I think Shroud has probably the second most um, playmaking ability behind Richardson, but it's Richardson. I mean, he has, if he can develop, you're talking about a possible top five talent, but again, he has to develop. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, Richardson has all the, has the makeup of Cam Newton 2.0, a hundred percent. And yeah, it's all about the system that he plays in, but the arm was there. The athleticism was there. The leadership was there. Um, I, I was, I was shocked to see it. I didn't think he'd be terrible or anything like that, but I, I did watch a halfway decent amount of Florida games and he was wildly inconsistent in college and he showed a lot of poise, made some bad throws and missed some guys. But overall, I, I'm bought in. I, I think he's going to be fantastic this year. I, I do think Bryce Young looked like the best pocket passer. He made a couple really bad mistakes on both of his interceptions. It was the same type of route, same type of concept that got him bit twice by Jesse Bates, the new sign uh, signing for the Atlanta Falcons. But that stuff will cleaned up, uh, get cleaned up. And ultimately, I liked what I saw from Stroud, but I think he, out of the three quarterbacks drafted early this year, was dealt the worst hand yeah. roster construction-wise. And he also had to go into Baltimore and play one of the best defenses in football. And he was running for his life out there for four straight quarters. So it was a tough read. Um, the, that Texans team is is pretty bad. So um, I, I did like what I saw to him, but as far as like the week one hype, it's all Anthony Richardson. He's going to be the leader in the clubhouse for rookie of the year all year, as long as he stays healthy because of, like you said, the coaching, but also man, that division they play in is going to set them up for a lot of success, a lot of easy games. And hopefully if you're a Colts fan, and if you're Jonathan Taylor, seeing that week one performance is going to give you that little extra motivation. Get your ass back out there on the field. Help your rookie quarterback. Like they could genuinely make a wild card spot, right? I don't think they're going to compete with Jacksonville, but like they that was a different Indianapolis Colts team than I've seen the past three years. It, it, I was really excited for them. Week one, you know, hot take, but they, but they no, Matt, good. you're not wrong. Like they're Jonathan Taylor away from being dangerous like good and, enough you know well, yeah. yeah and i mean you're talking about a top five running back with any you know a quarterback that needs to lean on him to only become better and develop and become more comfortable um you know the fact that shroud has nico collins who we like you know fan on the show sure as his number one is it's it's just going to be difficult over it's the next couple one. of years to, to develop because they also don't have their first overall pick this coming draft because they gave it away for Anderson. So th there's no reinforcements and young reinforcements coming. They're going to have to do it through free agency for the first two years of his career. And then you're talking about going into year three with possibly the first, you know, rookie court wide receiver off the board for them. Um, it's going to be more difficult. And I think the same thing can probably be said about Carolina after giving their pick to the bears, you know, like these rosters are kind of how they are for the Panthers and the Texans. And, you know, you, we're looking at some of these games when I watched, I watched more of the Panthers game against the Falcons. Um, 
there's there's bones there. There's bones to a team. The Texans have a left tackle at least, and now they have a quarterback. So like that's huge, better than the Jets. But the Colts <laughs> just have a way better organization and like and roster construction. It's it's years ahead of these other two. For sure. And I think I think your point about the division, it's like, does that mean that Richardson's just going to own Shroud in this division for the next five six years? I, I think after week one, overreaction seems possible. Um, we have a long football season to go. And you and I were talking on the phone about comparing draft classes with the the Lawrence and the Fields and the Mac Jones to this. And we both said like, it's too early to compare, but I think that's a great representation of like how quickly things can change too, right? After year one, Lawrence, oh, is he a bust, right? Like Mac Jones, possible new franchise quarterback, how things have drastically changed even in just a couple of years. So I, I thought it was a fantastic showing for all three. They're starting NFL quarterbacks. If you're if you're a fan of either three of these teams, you have to be ecstatic that at least you didn't burn a draft pick. There is some so there is some opportunity and some potential in all three of these guys. Oh, absolutely. This first rookie contract is going to be worth it for the three of them. Um, mm-hmm. To your point, you know, we'll see. Hopefully none of them get injured. Um, fortunately for two of them, they're in actually for all three of them. They're in pretty piss poor divisions. Right. So there's not a ton of pressure or heat on them right off the bat. Um, but it, but it'll be fun to see. And uh, that's also not not bad. Look at us first day back in a while, like another good transition to another quarterback competition <laughs> from uh, a few draft classes ago, which was the the Tua versus Justin Herbert debate, right? Whereas, hey man, Tua's the tank for Tua. He's all hey, the way back, worked. man. <laughs> he's he's all the way back. And I I know you kind of have a little bit of a bold take, and I'll, I'll pass it over to you. But I don't think this should come as a surprise to anyone. You've been saying it since we've been doing this pod and doing the draft classes and diving into these, you know, different rookies coming in and, you know, analyzing football and whatnot is that you do need to give these guys time, right? Herbert and two have only been starting quarterbacks for three seasons, believe it or not, right? Like they're still super young. Um, And what we saw out of Tua this past week was unbelievable. What we saw Justin Herbert was great. And what, what he's been doing has been great. But Tua for goes for four sixty, <laughs> for four sixty week one, coming off of an insanely hot start last season before the concussions. Um, I think Tua and the Miami Dolphins, if healthy, are a real threat in the AFC. You know, I heard this for the first time today on a podcast recapping the weekend's NFL plays and. It was it was fantastic because I actually agreed with it, and I agreed with it off of you know the course of a career in one game. But it was that Tyreek Hill is probably a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Oh yeah, and I sat there and I was like, oh my god, he is. If he if he even continues this for this year and next year, he's probably a Hall of Fame wide receiver. And I was like, damn, Mahomes had a Hall of Fame wide receiver, a Hall of Fame tight end. Now Tua gets a Hall of Fame wide receiver. My point of bringing that up is just Tua with Tyreek Hill. Has a very good shot. And at least in my opinion, after week one, probably puts himself in top 10 ranks for quarterbacks in the NFL. The the, the ability that Tyreek has to completely change the focal point of the defense's focus to give you multiple elements on the field and home run house calls at any given time elevates everyone around you. And for a wide receiver to do that is not often seen. We didn't even necessarily see that from from Devontae Adams, who probably is also a Hall of Fame wide receiver in a different aspect. Tyreek Hill is just a very, very special player. I think the most important thing about it is allowed Tua to develop. 
And I think the most ironic thing is last year, this time we were talking about as a national media, does Tua have the arm strength to even really utilize Tyreek Hill? Well, I think that's been answered now after a full season in week one. Uh, but it's not just Tyreek. It's the ability to have Waddle there as well. The speed on that team puts Tua in a classification of top 10 for me. And again, this was supposed to be a good defense for the Chargers. I think it will be. There's a lot to be done and a lot of moving pieces. I think the Chargers probably padded that stat line for him, JC Jackson in particular. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm absolutely at a marvel to watch Tyreek and Tua because I'm so happy for Tua. And I don't know that we would have seen this development without Tyreek being acquired. I think we may have seen more growing pains. I think this just gives him an element that he's actually comfortable with now. And again, a Hall of Fame wide receiver like Tyreek Hill is something that doesn't come around very often. And, and Tua has definitely reaped the benefit of that. Yeah, and you know, don't forget Mike McDaniel too. He Correct. took this whole offense to the next level. Obviously, getting Tyreek is a massive benefit. And I actually saw a TikTok from our boy NFL Mike. Shout out! Um, he actually put t- together a compilation of basically every single time Tyreek ran a route, he was in motion every time, and every motion was different. Going to the backfield, lining up as a tight end, doing a fake, doing a stunt. Like it was just crazy the creativity that was going on with that offense. And to pair that with probably the most unique athlete we've seen at the wide receiver position ever, um, it is a massive reason that you saw success from him this past weekend. And Tua was dropping dimes, dude. He beat me in fantasy. I played against him. It really sucked, but uh, was <laughs> was watching a lot of the game and just like. You, you can't help but be happy and ecstatic for the kid coming back and throwing for 460 after all the shit everyone was talking on him this past offseason. And, you know, like there were some scary injuries last year, you know, like that's stuff that yeah. we don't love to see as football fans. And I agree with you, Matt. I've got I've got him top 10 as well. Um, It's way too early for us to be like, oh, here's our list. Obviously, we'll bring it out a couple times throughout the season, but I've got him right there. I got him even higher if you're a fantasy football player. And um, hey, man, those guys can vary with Rodgers out now in that AFC East. It's wide open because we will get to the bills a little bit later. Well, and Matt, let's just think back two years now. And if someone were to tell you that in the opening game of 2023 season that you know Tua is the one to throw for almost 500 yards against Herbert, you would shit yourself. I mean, most people sure. in the media would, they would think it's an absolute joke, you know? And I, it, that is exactly why we pound the drum and give them time. Give them right? time. Give them time. A lot of fortunate things happen though. And this, this is going to lead into one of our other, our next segments, but it's like Mike McDaniel's the perfect example. He got blessed with a good coach, a good system, a hall of fame wide receiver, a great draft pick and waddle, right? Money to build the offensive line, money to keep the defense. Like, he fell into good roster construction and this is what happens. And last thing I want to say is I think what's pretty cool about the Tua situation. I have some friends that aren't nearly as um, invested in the NFL as you and I are clearly that it took comment this week about Tua and they're like, yeah, you know, the arm strength, like it's pretty incredible. Like Tyreek Hill isn't that tall and he's just able to drop <laughs> it into a bucket and it's what yeah, he does, right? That's like, real. Yeah. He's not jumping and making these crazy catches all the time. Like he's five, nine, I'm pretty sure maybe five, 10 and two is just able to just, he's drop it over defenders. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and that's what I, that's what I equate it to. He's just, he's dropping balls into buckets and Tyreek happens to be the bucket. And, and it's going to be a very special season if we can keep to as a, 
you know, as a, a fandom healthy, right? I like to see, keep, give him that energy because you're right. Those were a lot of scary injuries and uh, he is one hit away from this conversation changing pretty drastically. All right, Matt, last big takeaway from me this weekend. Um, it's the offensive line. We talked about with Rogers, but I think there was another blatant game that showed me what this dying issue in the NFL is and it's offensive line. And that was Packers bears, Justin Fields. You have the numbers on pressures. You have some of the hit numbers. Uh, the rookie for green Bay had, I think the second most, uh, quarterback hurries of the entire team. Again, a rookie that hasn't fully been integrated into the defense point I'm trying to make here is it's just really unfortunate after we come off talking about Tua and everything that he fell into the situation that Justin Fields is currently in, in Chicago, you know, you look at Twitter after that game and it's just absolute nonsense roasting him and the bears in reality, it's, it's an organizational problem. They took him. They haven't invested in the offensive line the way we'd have, we would have liked. They've made some draft choices, and they're young players, but they've had all of this money, and they chose to allocate that against the defense, You know, bringing in DJ Moore and paying him. And yet again, week one, all of the hype comes to fruition where it's like, well, actually in the Packers' favor because yet the Chicago Bears do not have an offensive line. They do not have a defensive line. And I think this is just a continuous problem amongst these NFL teams and these franchises that can't seem to get themselves out of the hole they've dug themselves in. We talked about with the Jets and not building that offensive line. Well, the Bears too. And I think what we can start to track, especially as seasons go forward, is how is a young quarterback going to have success? Well, is there pieces around them to give them the opportunity for success? And in the Bears situation, until that offensive line changes, I cannot gauge Justin Fields as a quarterback. It is impossible. At this point, as it stands, all I can gauge him on is an athlete because he has absolutely no time to develop as a passer, and it's not going to change anytime soon. Yep, and he honestly should have got sacked like four to five more times in that game than he actually did. But because he's such a great athlete, um, he was able to get out. And that's the thing, you know. Uh, fortunately for the Niners, they found Brock Purdy because – you and I would be sitting on these mics every single weekend saying, well, if you would only draft a Justin Fields <laughs> and, and we'll never know, right? Like maybe he wouldn't have worked out. Maybe Shanahan would have gotten him injured too. Who freaking knows? But yeah, man, I agree. I feel like we beat the drum pretty good at the beginning of this podcast about that. Like biggest thing it's football. The game is won and lost in the trenches. And then you have your super flashy, incredible once in a lifetime athletes like Aaron Rodgers, Tua, um, Tyree kill. Right. But without a good foundation, like you still need time to throw that ball to Tyree kill. It's going to take a few seconds for him to get open down the field. Um, same with a guy like DJ Moore. He's not necessarily the precision route runner. You know, he's the guy, he's a little bit of a burner. It takes a little bit more time. And, um, until the bears get that figured out until the jets and other teams that are kind of sitting at the average to below average, um, roster construction in record wise in the NFL, we're just going to keep seeing these issues. And yeah, as much as it was awesome as a Packer fan to see us whoop that ass, like it was a bummer to see Justin Fields. Like I was, I'm really looking, I want Justin Fields to like look good. Honestly, like you and I kind of for the podcast for selfish reasons, we, we were really high on him still kind of am, but we're running out of time. Well, and you and I had this conversation, you know, at, at length this week. And I think of, I'm 31 years old. I've been a Packer fan my whole life, probably started really, watching the team towards the end of Arv's career, something in Green Bay that they've always had is they've always had at least a decent offensive line. I think maybe in that 22, 23 years, they've had a subpar offensive line, but for the most part, that's been a focal point for the organization has been offensive line. 
And I think the key that I've seen as a fan is that guys come and go. You might lose a left tackle. You might lose a right guard. You might change your center out. But there's always the foundation and there's the principles in place with that offensive line. And usually you're only losing one guy. Someone else comes in. They're amplified by the guys around them that have been running that system and running that offense. It makes the guy that's the new acquisition much easier to phase into the offensive line. And I look at some of these teams around the NFL on a year to year basis, they're changing three, four guys. It's a completely new system. These guys don't know each other. They're not comfortable with each other. They don't know if they can trust each other yet. They don't know tendencies yet. And you see absolute disaster strike. And I think we kind of saw that last year, week one with the Bengals, where it was like, oh my God, they're the same Bengals. And it's like, no, these guys have never played together. They've never had real hard contact in game action together. And I, I think that's the takeaway for, for the future is build the offensive line, build the structure, build, build the system that you're going to run. And then it doesn't necessarily matter after you have the core set up who comes and goes. The Packers, again, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round players in that offensive line that are operating better than first and second round players around the league because they're in a great system. Yep, totally agree. Okay, moving on to some of these week two, I guess we'll call them matchups, like just just some analysis. I, I'm, I'm coming right off the bat with a little bit of a, of a hot take here. Maybe <laughs> I'm crazy. I don't know. But uh, Thursday night game, good game right off the bat. Vikings going into Philadelphia. This my opinion, obviously here, but I'm looking at this game. Philadelphia's a seven-point favorite. This is a must-win for the Vikings. If the Vikings don't win this game with their upcoming schedule, they are in line to start the season one and three and potentially two and six. I think this is a statement night for Minnesota. Philly's going to be rocking. Do I expect them to win? No. But this is a must win for the Vikings right now because they have a really tough schedule coming up and this season could get away, get away from them in the next two months. And this is a game they need to go in. And if they get blown out, I'm not going to say their season's over, but we're going to start to see a lot of rumblings out there in Minnesota. And the second year under Kevin O'Connor is, is just not going to look good. Yeah, I don't know who had a worse showing. If it was the Bills or the Vikings, you know, losing Rodgers for the Jets obviously made that game very winnable for the Bills. <laughs> but the Vikings got to go up against Baker Mayfield. Um, that was a bad game. I watched most of it on Red Zone. And they just allowed the Buccaneers to hang in and hang in and hang in and hang in. And I mean, Kirk Cousins, I have to imagine, is going to play better. But it doesn't get any easier. This Eagles defense is filthy dangerous <laughs> and i'm i'm very curious to see what happens if they go in and they get absolutely tr like trounced and i say i'm curious to see what happens because justin jefferson already doesn't seem stoked he already is announced number one wide receiver in the league and i'm really hoping that this doesn't encourage diva behavior and we see the next diva wide receiver um and i say that because at that point you're zero two like you said you're looking at two and six at what point does he say, screw you guys, trade me? Like, I'm I'm out. Like, I, I'm, I'm not signing this extension with you. I'm not staying here. You know, the next quarterback is still undecided because Kirk Cousins doesn't have a contract with them after this season. But again, on the flip side of that, this is an opportunity for Kirk Cousins to go into Philadelphia and have a great game and to see really what this Vikings team is going to be the rest of the season. You and I have a feeling that this team is not going to be very good, but this really does lay on Kirk's lap. Like, he has the opportunity as the leader of this team 
to make them competitive um, in a very winnable division. So I would agree with you. Absolute must win. I just think it's going to go very, very poorly for the Vikings coming off a very poor performance. So do I. But usually in the NFL, what happens is when teams look terrible and make a ton of mistakes, they come back with them cleaned up and look better. Um, Unfortunately for the Vikings, the Eagles made a lot of mistakes and did not look very good and were very sloppy in New England, but still ended up winning, you know, so they're going to come back with a lot to prove. Also, unfortunately for Minnesota, I think the Eagles have a top three defensive line in all the NFL, right? And what is one of the big issues in Minnesota? Their offensive line, not very great. Cousins fumbled twice. One was a center um, quarterback exchange, but the other one, Kirk just got blown up, you know, and you know, Tampa's got a pretty good D line, but it's not, it's not what Philly's going to be bringing Thursday night, first home game after losing the Super Bowl. You know, uh, they're seven point dogs for a reason, man. And you and I kind of were all over this at the end of last year. That last year was their opportunity to make a big splash. They didn't. They lost in the playoffs. They don't have Kirk signed to an extension. They don't have Jefferson signed to an extension. They let Dalvin Cook go in the offseason. They lose a ton of key pieces on defense. This team is in. It's in limbo right now. They need to find their identity or they're going to be a bottom dwelling team for the next few years in the league. And to your point, this is their make or break pitch to Justin Jefferson. I know they're going to send him the contract and he's going to end up being the highest paid receiver in the league. But pretty soon in the NFL, we're going to probably start seeing a behavioral change with these star players like we're seeing in the NBA, right? And even after Jefferson signs the contract, he may or may not want to play there anymore because he's going to be looking at year four, year five, and be like, dude, I've never won a playoff game. And here's the Green Bay Packers and the Lions actually having a really nice foundational piece and competing for championships, right? Um they're in a really interesting place. And I, I I genuinely think this is a must win. I know it's crazy week two, but it feels like they're under a ton of pressure right now in Minnesota. So the next big matchup, I don't know if I'll call this one a must win like the last one, but is Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson. Both got their contracts this offseason. Um, in my opinion, obviously, I, I think it goes without being said that Cincinnati looked terrible week one, right? I think we all know that. But I also didn't think Lamar Jackson and the Ravens looked that great. They lose J.K. Dobbins for the season with Achilles um, in their season opener. So they're already dealing with some injuries over there in Baltimore. And let's be honest, it didn't look like Burrow was 100% healthy in the rain in Cleveland either. So he's still dealing with something there. I think my big takeaway and basically like what I'm looking forward to for this game is to see if the Ravens want to assert their dominance on the Bengals right off the bat. Not saying the Bengals cannot come back from being down 0-2, but this is a really, really big opportunity for Lamar, for the Ravens to assert their dominance on the AFC North early in this season and really put the pressure on the Bengals because let's be honest, I think they're going to lose T Higgins this offseason. I know they've been talking about trying to have team friendly deal and do all this stuff, but Burrow ended up signing the big contract and that window of opportunity for this core group of Mixon, Burrow, Higgins and Chase is coming to an end. And if they start off the season 0-2, 0-3 with their first place schedule from last year, um, I think it's trouble in paradise in Cincinnati, even though you know I love those Bengals. Well, yeah, and 0-2 in interdivisional games as well. Um, I, again, I, I want to pump the brakes on and my, even myself here because I, I will always lean back on that there's a 17-game uh, schedule. The first game can be really deceiving. 
with what possibly is going on. Um, big takeaway for me though, from the Ravens is flowers. They finally hit a home run. They finally have their guy. I think he showed some incredible playmaking ability. I think he showed some incredible ability after the catch to just make the catch at time and contest in contention. I absolutely love that for Lamar Odell. I didn't really get to see enough of, I know he had a couple of targets at the end of the game, a couple of great pass interference calls that he was able to draw in. So I think there's a lot more opportunity this season for Lamar in the passing game. Losing Dobbins is huge, uh, devastating for my fantasy team, my one and only fantasy team, but <laughs> more or less just devastating for this this Ravens run game that has been decimated by injury year after year after year. Like we have not got to see a full um, gauntlet from the Ravens because their running backs just haven't been present, haven't been good injury after injury. So I really hope that like this is the opportunity that they take and they go and sign Kareem Hunt. I think that's a very, very mm. good fix. I think it's a fix that's currently available on the street, unlike some of the other injuries we've talked about. Kareem Hunt would really help this backfield because as it stands right now, you have Gus Edwards, who we love, but you can't rely on to stay healthy, and Hill, who has fought injuries his entire career there in Baltimore. So I think that's a great opportunity for them to sign. I think, again, like you said, neither team was perfect, but I also am leaning on the fact that Burrow's ankle probably was not even close to 100%, and he was out there just battling the whole game. So it'll be a really good test week two to see, okay, where are these teams both at, and what does the Ravens' uh, offense look like if they don't choose to bring somebody in? Does that put more pressure on Lamar? But thankfully now I do think he has a wide receiving core that can definitely help him out. Yeah, I agree. Flowers looked unbelievable. unbelievable. He looked great. Um, Bateman looked healthy. And Odell, he made a couple nice catches, right? Drew a couple pass interferences. Man, what else are you going to do, right? Um, I think that's the matchup of the weekend that I'm going to be looking forward to the most to see who sets the tone early in the season. Okay, I think this is kind of the story that... I think this team should actually... Man, I, this is going to sound bad, but like this is the the one positive of the Aaron Rodgers injury, and it's not even a positive, but it's like a press <laughs> positive is that no one's talking about how bad the bills played. And Josh Allen came out today and said, I'm the reason that we lost same stupid shit. I kept turning the ball over yada, 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 kind of the same song and dance you hear from him. But I think the question that I have for you, Matt is, is this the beginning of the end for the Buffalo bills in this specific team? So I'm going to say no, because Aaron Rodgers is out for the season. Um, I think that now makes the Dolphins their number one competitor, which, good Lord, how, talk about opposite fields here, right? Like, Dolphins had a great game. Their quarterback performed awesome. Josh Allen did the opposite. If anything, he lost them the game uh, for the Bills. Now, I think, again, the Rodgers injury is huge because now you're not talking about possibly being the third team in this division, which I would have said they were if Rodgers were healthy after week one. My big concern is if this continues, if the mistakes and the mental errors continue from Josh Allen, now that Dayball is gone, I will die on that hill that Dayball, you know, you you probably agree that really helped his development. And since he's been gone, these questions have started to creep in yet again, is what happens with Stefan Diggs if this continues? Yep. Does he just say, I'm out? Because we've already seen a turmoil relationship between the two. We've already seen the possible trade me's get thrown out there. And if we're five, six weeks into the season and, and he's still doing some of these things, I can imagine Stefan Diggs saying I'm out. And as soon as Diggs pulls that card, it's over yep. because Allen needs Diggs and Diggs needs Allen to perform like a competent quarterback. This goes two ways. 
But the difference is Diggs can go somewhere else and perform. Josh Allen cannot just pick up a Diggs off the street. So this is the key foundational piece. And I and I'm not sure that Allen has nurtured the relationship in the way of an understanding where I need my wide receiver. Um, it's week one, but that is that is the clear takeaway that I have is that if Allen continues this, it's gonna lead to trouble with Diggs. Yeah, and it's kind of he's he's now starting to he as in Josh Allen is now starting to push into a narrative that he can't win late and he's not a comeback player. He hasn't won in overtime, which isn't necessarily his fault, but these these whispers, these rumors, this pressure is going to start mounting and mounting as the season goes on and as he starts playing and winning or losing these big games, right? Like you don't want to be that Kirk Cousins pressure coming into some of these games now as we get into, you know, the middle, the prime of his career where it's like, ah, oh, Josh Allen is really good, but he always comes up short, right? Um, we're getting really close to that. I'd agree with you. I think that's a really hot takey question that I propose to you, but it, it is a reality, right? Like this isn't, we're not talking about this because this isn't a possibility here, let's say in the next three months or in this upcoming off season, because you're right. Stefan Diggs is a top five, you know, definitely a top 10 receiver in the league. It's not like we can just go out and grab one from the street or try and sign another one in free agency or go trade. It's not that straightforward. So um, the Bills are in a really, really interesting spot. I thought their defense looked fine against the Jets. I think it'll be a better test this week against the Raiders to see how they can stop um, Josh Jacobs. And hey, man. Can they force Jimmy G to turn the ball over? Because if he doesn't, they're they're going to be in for a long, long game out there in Vegas. Yeah, and and I fully agree with what you said. Like this game is going to tell us the direction the Bills are trending this year, and it kind of leads right into the next topic of conversation, which is quarterbacks that have been paid. Right, like Allen's been paid. People are going to have to be sacrificed because of that payment. And big takeaway for me in week two is going to be the Jags and the Chiefs. Like, is this Lawrence's opportunity to cement himself top 10 as of the rising quarterback? And on the opposite you know, side of the field, you have Mahomes, who has a banged up Kelsey. We saw the wide receiver issues in week one, and it was bad. It cost them the game, right? And what's the, the coinciding thing here? Well, Mahomes got paid. We all knew at some point he was also going to have an issue with either playmakers or possibly a poor defense because the money just isn't there. And you have Lawrence on the other side who's still on a rookie deal. This Jags team looks great. Ridley, probably one of the best pickups of the offseason because he is in a true form, like number one wide receiver. He is deserving of a first-round pick. He looks better than he ever looked to me in oh, Atlanta. Yeah. And I can't hate to think that, like, well, he's got a great quarterback now. But I think week two, this is a matchup where Lawrence can really elevate himself in the national media, in marketing opportunities. This is him against Mahomes. Like He has the opportunity to really start rising up some ranks here by taking him down. And I think there's a good chance the Jags do beat the Chiefs in week two. Yeah, the big thing is Chris Jones is back, though. That's, yep. that's huge for Kansas City that they were able to lock him into that one-year deal, get him back. I thought the defense looked really good against um, Detroit, the first game of the season. Now, I, I think what we're going to see Mahomes is where we see a lot of these superstar quarterbacks where their careers go in this middle tier, right? Where, where they're getting into 30, uh, like we saw with our guy Rodgers, right? Is your point. He gets paid, so there's going to be a lot more responsibility on your shoulders and your second wide receiver is going to be 
Marquez Valdez scaling, right? Like that's just kind of how it's going to be. And you're a Jordy Nelson ACL, you're a Travis Kelsey injury away from having three guys out there that let's just be honest, aren't great wide receivers. And it's on you as the quarterback Mahomes to carry the team. And I'm really interested to see how he handles that. I didn't think he played a bad game whatsoever against Detroit, but there's going to start being things that happen in your career. Once you get paid that are out of your control and, you know, prohibit you from getting to the Super Bowl or all these AFC championship games. And you're throwing Hail Marys from the 55 yard line just to tie the game for your defense to lose it for you in overtime. Like, I'm really curious to see if we start seeing those things happen to Mahomes because the run's got to stop eventually, right? And if it doesn't, like, he's just going to go down as the best player. But without Kelsey Thursday night, it, it was eerily familiar to that year where Jordy Nelson tore his ACL for the Green Bay Packers and Jared Aberderis and Jeff yeah. Janis were out there and Rodgers was just slinging it and they signed James Jones off the street again and he came out with his hoodie on and had like 20 touchdowns and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just, yep. you, I, I'm real curious to see if once post Kelsey or hopefully, you know, he's not hurt long term, but if he is, you know, that's what we're going to see from Kansas City. Well, and I, I'm not fully out on Tony. Like what we haven't same, talked same. about. It's a bad game. It's a bad game. And and he missed almost all of the preseason and training camp. So you're talking about one of the first opportunities for him to get out there and like use his hands. He sucked. Like, yeah. But I and I and I will continue to push this. The only reason he had so many drops is because he was open to catch the ball. You know, he's an fantastic athlete. I, that was evident to me last year is that if you can just get this guy to hone his skill, you're talking about an elite level up like playmaker. Um, he catches a couple of those balls. He's gone in that game versus the Lions, but he dropped them. And then he dropped one and it landed in the hands of the defense, which led to a touchdown. So like <laughs> lost it was game, really bad. Lost yeah. in the game. Um, but outside of him, it's like I I don't have I didn't see anything on a sky more that said you're anything better than like maybe a fourth wide receiver in this league. Like you have a little bit of explosiveness, but you're too small to utilize it. Like Rice, I think has opportunity, but like you got to give him time as to rookie. develop. Yeah. As a rookie. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's MVS and it's Kelsey. And, and then you look at the flip side, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, you know, like Zay ETN, Jones. Did Zay you see Jones. Zay's touchdown? Yeah, dude. dude your I guy. Love Zay. That's our guy. What um, a fucking catch. That was the catch of the weekend, bro. It was his fantastic. touchdown. Uh, was It was. Yes. Okay. Yes. Not sorry. Garrett well, Wilson's was. Well, yeah, it was but, Monday. So we'll give him the weekend. Yeah. yeah sorry. <laughs> but like that catch yeah. Zay made in the corner was insane. Disgustingly underrated. Like it was yeah. number nine on top plays. I was like, bro. That was such a hard catch. Um, yeah. And Zay's your guy. I mean, we love Zay. Guy. Yeah, I was yeah. jumping up and down. Um, oh, yeah. But no, Matt, the reason I bring it up is because you've got, what, $18 million or $22 million, something crazy number with Christian Kirk. You're paying Ridley his, I think, fifth-year option, so that's at least $15 million. You're paying oh, yeah. Zay 10 That's almost $50 million in just three Evan Ingram, too. Evan you know, Ingram, too. There's another 10 A decent amount, yeah. But it's like, okay, so you have four weapons or you have Patrick Mahomes, which I, I, that's a terrible sure. yeah. balance. But like that's that's what you sacrifice. And and man, we're gonna we're gonna find out as we continue to do this through the years, like Allen, Burrow, Mahomes. Does it work? Does one of them go out for two or three more Super Bowls or two or three Super Bowls in general and like, hey, paying this guy was right. Like he was the difference maker in what made our team a dynasty or a great franchise. 
or do we see 10 years from now teams just like listen 40s the max that's what we're giving you because if we pay you any more we're not going to win games we're not going to win super bowls we're not going to it's it's just it's pointless to pay you all of the cap yeah yeah or maybe not 40 but it's just like uh let's say 25% of the cap yeah. or 20 a percentage right like a hey yeah. the max we're giving you is x percent or else you're literally going to have sky more as your best receiver respectively yeah, absolutely you know? like and, yeah, yeah that's a good point because brady broke the trend Manning and the cap wasn't really fair because it was an odd time in football with money. And then Rodgers, we we saw it. You know? Even like, even Raj, right after they won the Super Bowl, he still was pretty cap friendly when they had uh Jennings, Driver, yeah. uh Jordy, like when they had the the gauntlet, Jermichael Finley, like the boys, yeah. right? Um, and then he went and took uh, as he should have his number, yeah. and it was like, Okay, you have Jordy and that's we it. lose Jennings, right? You get we lucky with a rookie Randall Cobb, mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah, you, you got Jordy. Like that's <laughs> that that's pretty much it. And James Starks, who was undrafted, you know, and then your defense sucks. So well, it's a throwback. It's, this is just a memory, but I think you'll appreciate it when because you, you talked about it earlier. You, you know, you're you're a Jordy Nelson ACL away from oh shit, and that was possibly the Kelsey injury. I'll even jump it way back, Matt. You're a Javon Walker ACL away from yeah, oh exactly. shit. You know, like, oh God, now we're throwing to call Antonio Freeman. We need him back, right? Get him <laughs> out of retirement. Um, it's it's just gonna be great to watch. And that's why I'm so excited for this Jags Chiefs game because it is polar opposite. It's the rookie contract, the rookie, you know, that is pushing top ten that we saw from Burrow, Allen, and Mahomes. Like it's it's just a different dynamic. And you have so many weapons for uh for Trevor Lawrence and it's not the same for Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. Um do you have one more game on here? I think you did. What was your yeah, last I've game? Got, that you had? Uh, I've got Browns and Steelers. That's right. Um and I have like a hot kind of a hot take here. I think this game shows us the next three years for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh did not look good week one. No. Um I am not in on Kenny Pickett. I think that's very well known on the show. Um, I don't, don't like his game style. I don't really see much in his ability right now. Could be wrong. I was wrong about Purdy. I've been wrong enough. You do this long enough. You're wrong a lot. (laughs) Um, but I think the reason that this is going to show us the next three years is because you have Lamar, you have Joe, do we have Deshaun? That's the question. Looked pretty decent week one. Does he look even better week two? You're going to tell me in this division, you're going to have three all pro level quarterbacks. If Deshaun can get himself back to form and you're going to ride with Kenny Pickett, good luck the next three years. Good luck. Like, I, I just, I can't believe that the Steelers are ever going to make the playoffs when you're constantly battling two of the greatest greatest quarterbacks of our current era in Lamar and Burrow, and Deshaun, who's, who was incredible, right? Put all the, all the street garbage aside, everything that he's done, and just think about him as a quarterback. I liked what I saw week one. Did throw a really bad interception that kind of I got bailed out slipped. on. I, did that? It had to slip out of his hand. It was so bad. And he said in the post game that he just it was a bad throw. He just said it was, it was terrible. Um, it was because it was really bad. But yep. Outside of that, I liked what I saw. It looked way better than the 2022 version of Deshaun. This this is a key matchup. If the Browns go, I think they're on the road. Correct. I think so. Yeah, I think the game's in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think so they're they like going to two point favorites. The Browns. Okay, are, I think. If they go in and bully him and they win by 12, 14, I, if I'm a Steelers fan, I'm, I don't know what to do because 
I, at that point, I'm, I'm watching the rest of the season to think, is Kenny Pickett the option? And if he's not, we have to make a drastic change. You have the defense foundation set up right. You know, Najee Harris probably also isn't at the answer, but that offensive line hasn't been very good. There it's it right, is. Right there back. It is. Like, can I there really judge him? That's if, that. That's I that's. Really I was him? just. I was just gonna inter- like finish your statement for you. It's like this is maybe this will be the title of the damn episode. I don't know, but it's like <laughs> you need to build your foundation seriously because they did three quarters right. Pittsburgh is is three quarters right. The defense is fantastic, right? Yeah. They're, they're they're top ten, right? They they have the ability to be top ten. They're definitely top fifteen. They're a top half of the league. They have the best defensive end in football, maybe second best behind Nick Bosa, right? Whatever. So he had three sacks this past weekend, and they got blown out. <laughs> um, I I I'm not out on Kenny Pickett. I think he's a really nice prospect. I think he can play. I don't think he's had the proper opportunity. Um, they lose Deontay Johnson, pops his hammy, right? Yep. Um, but you still have George Pickens. I did like the Allen Robinson pickup, and I'm high on Pat Fryermuth. The problem is they literally don't have an O line. Like they do not have an O line. Kenny Pickett looked so bad because the entire Niners defensive front was in his jock strap every single damn play. I didn't look up the pressure rate the way I did for Chicago, but I'd, I'd guess that it was pushing fifty percent. And you cannot give a rookie second year, third year quarterback, or just a elite quarterback, no time and expect them to play well. So um, I do agree with your point about this is going to show for the rest of the division. If we do have that elite three Burrow, Lamar and Deshaun Watson, and that is going to put a ton of pressure on the Pittsburgh Steelers to really evaluate their culture and their values, which they're always going to be a defensive first team, especially with Mike Tomlin. But you're going to need more than an elite defense to compete in this division. If those three guys are right, we already know Burrow and Lamar are right. You know, if Watson takes that next step, like you and I have been expecting him to um, in the off season with their roster and Nick Chubb, who I believe is the best running back in the NFL, the pure running back. um, Yeah, man, there's going to be a lot of self eval and um, it's, but it goes back to the theme, man. Like, if you can't block for the kid, what is he supposed to do? Well, and the, and the other thing, and the reason why I think this is so crucial is because the second best defense to me in this division, and you might disagree because you're a Ravens fan, is the Browns. And if, if they're not number one, they're number two to the Steelers. I, I'd, I'd, I'd probably take uh, I'd probably take the Browns as well. Okay. With but, uh, with that secondary with Garrett Darius yeah. Smith, um, they're, they're they, dangerous. They're pretty, they, like, I mean, they they bullied Cincinnati for three straight hours last week. Well, and the, the again the reason I bring it up, Matt, is because they just came off the 49ers. The 49ers yeah. from the AFC are marching into into town. <laughs> like this isn't going to stop this week. It's going to be constant pressure on Pickett, and like I feel bad for Steelers fans because you don't even get a chance to see him against an average defense, an average team, the Browns are going to come in there and make his life absolutely miserable. Um, and, and again, you're going to be, you're probably going to be 0-2 really questioning, like, what do we do? Much like the Jets, you can't just go out and find offensive linemen to fix this problem, to give Kenny Pickett a chance. You don't have a running back that is going to help be a playmaker. Like, there, there's big concern for me in Pittsburgh um, I am also very excited to watch them against the Bengals, not nearly as fierce of a defense and maybe see, okay, can this defense win them games? 
Yeah, a hundred percent, dude. I, I I'm all on board with that as well. Um, it's gonna be a really good game. I didn't realize how many interdivisional. This is a stacked slate this weekend, bro. Mm-hmm. Like these games are gonna be great. Yep. All right, man. Well, it's good to be back. Feels great. We'll be back next week. Uh, we're gonna get social media fi- fired up with these clips, and um, you know, we'll see you guys back on the pod next week. Keep it real. Later. <laughs>